What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the show, I sat down with an amazing agent who has been in real estate for nearly two decades. Tons of nuggets dropped in this episode. She sells 50 to 60 homes a year with just her and some administrative support and a showing assistant, which is amazing. And this year, this is even more amazing, by the way. This year, in 2022, she's up over $10 million in sales volume from 2021. Very few people in the world can probably say that. Welcome to the show, Amanda Siftar. Welcome to the show, Amanda. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, another fellow Floridian uh, with an amazing story in real estate, uh, long career, lots of sales. You're actually increasing uh, during a year when most people are not, which I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, doing all of this uh, while being a mother of four. So lots to talk about, but give people the quick uh version of, of who you are and how you got to this point in your life where you're selling uh, close to 40 million this year. Yeah, so um, I've been licensed for 17 years. Um, I actually got started with one of the top luxury firms in Tampa and um, at that time I was 24. So uh, they actually rejected me four times before they actually let me into the firm. Uh, they kept saying, well, you have no experience, go get experience and then come back. And on the fourth try, I ended up interviewing with a totally different person who kind of you know, saw the potential. So I started my career in uh, developer services, which is condominiums. And that was during the whole boom. So it was you know, a quick transition um, from a salary to almost six figures in about three months. And so you know, it was one of those things where I thought I was amazing and that I could do anything. Um, and then of course the market took a turn. I actually had to switch over from condominium sales to general real estate, and I had no idea what I was doing. So I built everything there from scratch. Um, I had my first child at that time. So I went from six figures per year uh, down to about $1,500, and then worked my way back up in trying to kind of navigate how to do that in a whole different part of real estate that's entirely different, and, and of course, having children to add to that, you know, layer of, uh, you know, trying to work around those things. So it was crazy, but yeah, I've been now doing it for 17 years. And in that time, um, managed a family, uh, now top 1% in actually the nation, but 1% in Florida, 1% uh, in Tampa and in the nation. So um, I generally close somewhere between 50 and 60 houses per year. Uh, that is me with, uh, uh, you know, uh, a showing assistant and some administrative help. That's not me with, you know, 10 people. So um, it's very, very much a busy schedule and, and trying to navigate that with kids. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm tired just thinking about that, <laughs> that, that many homes. Uh, that's amazing. What, uh, what lessons did you learn or, or, or things that maybe helped you uh, back in 07, 08, 09, that time frame that maybe helped you for the time period that we're in now? I'm not saying that they're the, the same, by the way, in case you're listening to this, I, I don't think they are, but there, there probably are some lessons you learned back then that are helping you today. Yeah, I would say back then it was interesting because we, I, I basically had to start over during probably one of the most difficult times to start 
And so what I ended up developing at that time was, I would say, maybe a better work ethic. So what I felt like I had to do to compete with other people in that market was do more for, for my buyers and sellers. So just as a few examples, um, I would um, stage all of my houses myself personally. I did, I mean, I went to the extreme. I was organizing their homes, cleaning their homes. Now, I don't necessarily do as much of that today, but at that time, I really wanted to show the value. And so I basically looked at every single part of the real estate transaction and thought, okay, how can I do this and how can I do it at a higher level than the next person? And so when I was going and competing, it was a little bit easier for me to kind of win. We had very limited um, options at that time, unless you were going to go short sale or, you know, REO. And neither of those were, you know, things that I ever pursued. So um, had to kind of beat the, the competition that way. That's that's interesting that you, you know, you didn't go REO. A lot of people did back then. You still obviously increase your market share through sounds like hard work, solving solving buyer and seller problems, which is probably a huge opportunity for people right now. You know, agents right now, like if you can improve your sales skills, add value, this could be the greatest opportunity, you know, of 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 your career. Um, I I think what's what might help you uh, in looking back from, you know, this is like 15 years ago now to, to today's market is I, I don't know if REO will become a, a big thing like it was back then, because I think, I think back then one in four people had negative uh, equity in their house. And today that's less than 1%. You know, it was like a really short window of call it frothy and, and peakness and, you know, people had to put money down. Like there wasn't, there, were, there haven't been a lot of bad loans like there was back then. So I think, I think right now what's going on is it's almost like a, a stalemate. I saw this post today that said buyers think it's 2008, sellers think it's 2021. <laughs> so in a lot of markets, there's just, there's just less activity. Yeah, I agree with you. I think what we're seeing now is definitely different than at that time. That you're right. It's a stalemate. People want to move. They feel kind of forced to stay, however, because they think to themselves, well, I just refinanced. I'm at a two point something or three point something rate for me to move to that next home. I'm going to be increasing my payment. So what we're going to have to do going into 2023, um, besides focus on people that have no choice but to move, right? So people that are maybe moving to and from, you know, Florida in my case, or perhaps divorce or some sort of situation where um, it's, it's, you know, new baby, but the, we'll call it the move up, move down buyers that would move if there was something out there for them. It's a, it's a little bit of a different challenge because they want to go, but they also don't necessarily want to pay more to go. So what I'm trying to now do, or I'm going to be incorporating into 2023 is um, obviously a lot of agents are using buy downs. That is certainly a, a helpful thing because it is making the payments feel more like last year. Um, but at the same time, if we really dig in and we look at, well, the house prices have decreased to some extent, right? We're still above because we, we, we increased at such a level that it was you know, really not sustainable. So if, you know, looking at a half a million dollar house, for example, maybe right now we're 5% less than that. So maybe your payments are a little bit higher, but because you're saving that money, by the time these rates stabilize, I believe it'll actually be a wash. 
So I think if we can just get through this little hump of, of you know, one to two years, then I think um, buyers will be in great shape. And I think they have to be less focused on payment and more, you know, a little bit big picture thinking here. Um, so I'm trying to educate everybody on, on, on that. Well, in, mo in most cases, the rents have skyrocketed yeah. as well. So True. I think there's that element. The, the thing about people not moving because they already have a low interest rate is kind of interesting. I saw a stat out the other day that said, um, and these are ballpark figures, but it, I think previously first time home buyers made up like 30, 35% of, of the overall buyer market. And, and now it's into the forties. So, um, I think you are seeing evidence of less move up, move down more first time home buyers. So is that, is that something you've been thinking about or maybe that you'll yeah. focus on more is, yeah. is the first time buyer? I think I'm going to shift my gears, yeah, more to first buyer, of course, cash, right? So if you've got a, I will call it luxury buyer or somebody that's cash, they don't seem to be as bothered. Um, so focusing on that and shifting the messaging. So, you know, what our online messaging is, whatever our social media presence is, shifting the gears a little bit on that going into next year. Um, and then, you know, for the move up buyers that kind of feel a little stuck, an interim solution could be to rent out their current home because if they are in the twos or threes, you know, the rents are, as you've just said, they're way higher than they were. So they could potentially cover some of that gap by renting it and then sell maybe one to two years from now when everything, you know, kind of starts to, um, I don't want to use the word stabilize, but you know, balance out. Um, so there's some creative solutions if we really dig. Uh, and come up with even those move up, um, you know, buyers. Why do you think you are up this year overall uh, when a lot of people are, are down? I think I, I hate to say that I am I'm blessed in the sense that because I've been such a, a staple in the community and you always say, and your wife always says to be the mayor of your town, right? And I, and I think you guys taught me that about five, six years ago. So because I'm, in many cases in the community, I'm giving, I say, free advice, free, you know, if people have questions, nothing expected in return. People have just started to, you know, understand my name. And I think as we're in a market that is tougher, people are going to start seeking out people that they know, understand the market. And so some of the agents that haven't had that time to build that may want to consider getting in with a team that does that, or they need to shift their branding, um, to, to kind of offset that. Yeah. One, one thing I've maybe wondered so about, which would be interesting to get another Floridian's perspective on is, is, is Florida in a better spot right now than the rest of the country, which would be an interesting thought. I, I think I've seen some signs of that, but it's, it's interesting to me because 15 years ago, Florida was like leading the way in the, in the, the crash. Uh, but they seem to, it seems to be overall doing, doing better than a lot of other high priced areas. It's interesting. Cause I watch the news and I kind of, you know, look at, you know, what the market is doing, what places are starting to take a hit. You know, I think we've seen a little bit of a price adjustment, but if you really stop and think about it, we went up almost 30% in a very short period of time. So when people are complaining that our prices may have decreased, I would argue that they perhaps have just went up a little faster than they should have. So I think Florida's in great shape. Interestingly, we don't have a ton of inventory and we still have a lot of demand. 
I really feel like the um, we're going to do well um, during whatever this next you know year or two brings. I think we're going to do well, you know, compared to the rest of the country. So let's talk a little bit about work-life balance. Uh, you know, fifty to sixty homes a year. You've got a showing assistant, administrative help, four kids. How how do you kind of balance? all of that. Cause I'm sure you're getting requests from buyers and sellers that create, you know, all sorts of times a day, weekends. Yeah. So that, that, so that's one of my goals going into 2023. I'm going to, I'm going to work on that part. Cause you're right. It is 24 seven, but really one of the things I hear quite often is, well, I can't afford childcare. Now my youngest is five. So at this point we're in school, we don't have that concern, but I would argue that even if somebody has children, they're trying to figure out, how to, to do a business with children, um, they need to find, you know, I started where I had a mother helper, a mom's, uh, a person in one of my mom's group, and we would trade services, right? So I would say three to four hours, you know, you take my kid and then we're gonna, you know, switch. So every person hopefully has the ability to get some time to, to, to build that business. And then of course, um, as time went on, I was able to do school and such. But, um, so definitely having some time of the day to have you know complete concentration is helpful i did a lot of my stuff at night um, right so 10 o'clock to midnight i would you know follow up on file things and then um you know i um you know it just over time i i ended up getting a nanny so that was definitely helpful on the weekends what i do it's interesting because even now it's very difficult for me to plan my weekends. So what I generally do is if somebody said to me, you know, I'd like to go see in such and such area, I actually take my kids with me. I take my husband with me. And then what I do is I leave whatever activity we're doing for 30 minutes to go show that specific home. And we center the activity around whatever's within the radius of that home. So we kind of found, you know, different pockets within those specific areas of Tampa. And so we've just adjusted and we kind of go with the flow. Do, do the clients know that that is going on? Cause I'm just thinking maybe that helps you uh, close, close them uh, quicker. You know, if they know your, your family's kind of doing something. You know, sometimes they do, yeah. but um, I generally, a lot of times if they're outside my area, I, I say, I give them away. I have somebody to assist with that. But every once in a while, if it's a customer I've you know worked with before, I'll find myself going there. So yeah, I mean, um, they know, and many of my customers have gotten to the point now where they text me first, hey, call me when you have a moment, right? As opposed to calling me, because they know I have kids, and they know that I'm gonna call them as soon as I get a moment. What, uh, what have you done to elevate your price point over the years? Because it, it seems like, you know, part of, uh, why maybe you're you're selling a higher volume is if you're if you're always between 50 to 60 uh deals is that the price point has gone up now obviously the market going up in general has to do with some of that but i'm sure not all of it so what what have you done over the years to increase your price point to you know which i think is making better use of your time yeah so a couple of things that have helped me personally um obviously me moving into areas that are that are surrounding that, right? So zip codes, even if you're not in that specific neighborhood that is at that higher level, you're nearby. Because I do find that people at a higher level or a higher price point tend to like to work with people that really understand the area. So 
if you don't live in that area, you've got to make sure that you relate to them, that you understand it. So, you know, before you go to that listing appointment, you would want to go drive by, understand, really study, because I find that people at higher price points, a lot of time have done a lot more homework and, than you. And if they feel like they know more than you, they're not going to hire you. So it's, it's almost like you have to be prepared for anything, right? So that you have a response if it comes up. And then, of course, I think for me, helping with the staging and helping with the organization and making it more of a concierge level service where they don't have to think about anything uh, has helped me elevate because they really don't have time to think about those things. They just want it to be done. So I think to appeal to those people, you really need to develop more of a concierge type program so that they feel like they're well taken care of. Yeah, I think I think living in the area certainly helps. And then if you if you don't live in the area, study it really well. Like there's the semi-famous example, I guess, of uh, Ryan Serhant during the early stages of the pandemic. I think a lot of New York real estate was slow. Uh, he actually <laughs> had he actually had a buyer who wanted to uh, move down to Palm Beach County, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he like flew down, studied the country clubs, the schools, all that kind of stuff for like a week. And then got like a hundred million dollar plus sale on you know one of the, the beach homes. Uh, right. And, you know, you just became quickly became an expert. No, I totally area. agree <laughs> with that, and that is actually brilliant. I a lot of times when I go outside of we'll call it my area for listings, I do I do tons of homework because again, when they say to you, well, you know, do you really know this area? And I say, well, not only do I know this area, but I've already developed a brochure that talks about your country clubs, your this, your pools, like, you know, what's the shopping within two, you know, two miles of here. And so I've actually gone to the level of creating something for them so that by the time I've left their home, you know, they know that I'm the person to, to sell that home. Now you've, you've uh, recently made a pretty big shift in, uh, yeah in your career. So do you want to, do you want to take a sure. minute to <laughs> talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I was with the, like I said, the premier luxury, uh, real estate company here in Tampa. And I was with them for 17 years. They are an amazing firm. I actually cried when I left, but I ended up making the shift over to EXP. And the reason I did that was because I felt like for the dollars I was spending, you know, as my, as my production went up, the dollars went up, right? And so I felt like with those dollars, was I really getting the value back? And I felt like, you know, to go to EXP, they still offered the same types of tools. And it, at the cost level was significantly less than what I was spending. So I felt like if I took the, the funds I was paying to, the, to my brokerage, right? A lot of these um, bigger companies have larger splits. If I took that same money and allocated it, especially going into a time like this, right, where we may need to spend more on digital or print ads and such, I felt like if I took that money and shifted it, it would help me, um, you know, elevate my business to the next level. Uh, the other reason I shifted to EXP was because um, I felt like I liked what I was seeing in terms of the coaching and it felt like, or it feels like the agents are all there to really support each other. And um, that was, uh, I never really realized that about EXP. I never actually gave it any thought um, until, you know, a few months ago. Um, but I think that they have shifted into a, um, you know, help agents grow mentality. 
And I feel like that is, you know, we're, you know, this is just the beginning of what's going to be future, um, you know, with that. So I think that it was the right time to make the move. I, I like that you are really focused on, you know, how can I use that, that savings from the commission splits to go out and expand the business? A lot of people might just look at it as an extra, you know, amount of money in their pocket, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it, you know, it just kind of shows the, the business mind and acumen that you have to want to use that to go fuel uh, more business, uh, which is great. And the coaching aspect of it, you know, I, I couldn't agree more uh, from what I've seen there as well uh, from both from EXP and, you know, what different groups will offer. So I know, um, you know, when, when, when if people are interested in, in joining, they're going to, you know, with you at EXP, they're going to get certain benefits and coaching that, you know, they might not necessarily get, um, you know, with a different person there. So do you want to maybe talk for a second about, you know, the types of people that you would be interested in, in helping make, make the transition sure. to EXP, you know, with, sure. with you as their sponsor? Sure. Sure. I would say for me personally, um, one of my goals uh, moving forward, I have always had the desire, even before EXP, to help other families grow to kind of all those mistakes I made in the 17 years, which <laughs> there are plenty. Um, how do I time manage with kids? Um, how can I get my nights back? You know, are there things that we can do to, um, you know, um, shift things over to maybe perhaps like we talked about an assistant or um you know having you know taking days off so for me personally um i would like to help you know especially you know young families or people with with kids um kind of help navigate that going forward the other thing i would say is and i say luxury right in in tampa a million plus we consider luxury and different markets it may be different but helping people really kind of just develop their business at a higher level so that they can go in and feel confident um, going forward and, and speaking with sellers and, and or buyers for that matter. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to growing that. So if you want to learn luxury, you know, how, how, to, how to be, I would, I would call it highly efficient as a salesperson, <laughs> yeah. you know, 50 to 60 deals with, with just some administrative yeah. support, showing support. Right. Uh, definitely reach out to Amanda, if, if people are want to learn more about, you know, you sponsoring them at EXP, how how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, I would say for now, um, I have I'm actually just partnered with a, a curator. Curator's building my website as we speak. But for now, um, my uh, group is Amanda Sifter Group on Facebook, and my cell phone's eight one three eight five seven nine zero nine three. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, so much for being on the show. Before we wrap up, I always end with a hyper fast round of Q and A. If you're if you're ready for <laughs> Got ready it. for it, sure. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate agent? Okay, well, my biggest piece of advice is if you're not on a team and you don't want to get on a team, do as many coaching, even if it's not paid coaching. Watch as many coaching programs as you can on dealing with buyers, dealing with sellers. Because if you don't, you will spend forever trying to figure it out. Trust me. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake you see seasoned or experienced real estate agents making? 
Getting too set in your ways. Um, thinking that things that worked maybe 10 years ago still work. I think that we have to understand that the, the consumer is much smarter than we are. We have Zillow and we have all these things that have made the consumer smarter than the agent. So if we are not one step ahead of that, the sellers, buyers will recognize that and they will, they'll drop us as quickly as they found us. What's the biggest challenge you've had in your career and what did you learn from it? I would say my biggest challenge right now is uh, developing time management. The biggest challenge um, that was um, the, the most difficult to develop was when uh, having people call 24-7 and helping sellers understand that, you know, some of these things don't need to happen at 9 o'clock at night. They can wait until the next day. So, you know, better follow-up systems so that we don't have people calling us at, you know, 9 o'clock at night unless we're writing an offer. All right, last one. Where do you see yourself five years from now? I hope to see, you know, I would, what I would like to see is the same volume I'm at now, but in, in uh, incorporating three to five agents to, that are, I say, equally skilled, that could bring us to a hundred plus million dollar team, um, providing amazing service to our buyers and sellers, and um, just operating at, you know, a high level. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your amazing story and lessons from your career. Uh, it was awesome. I, I'm sure people listening got tons of value out of it. So thank you so much for that. And to all of our listeners and viewers out there, uh, thank you for tuning in. Please make sure you share this episode with other real estate agents or people that you think would be interested. And we will see you next time.